Hello, my name is Adam Elliott and I'm the very overrated director of Harvey Crumpet and Mary Max. And you're listening to 3CR. 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host Carl Fitzgerald here shining the light on the powers of monopoly and why we should be refocusing the economic framework at addressing the incredible advantages monopolists have over anyone trying to run a business or earn a wage. Yes, if we really wanted to, we could split the right wing and help them recognise that uh, entrepreneurs who actually produce something are good, uh, but those who sit back and uh, make the sort of easy money we're seeing out of Fisherman's Bend again, some sort of 525% uh, markup in rents have occurred in uh, just the last few months on a substation in uh, uh, the Fisherman's Bend area and uh, they're claiming now I think they were getting some fifty odd thousand dollars a year in rent and now it's jumped up to 1.1 million dollars in rents due to the rezoning there and that sees that the landlord is able to uh, use the opportunity cost of that land site and it's essentially them saying look uh, we could just shut this Uh, power substation down and uh, because all this land has been rezoned we could apply to put a 20-story apartment block on here and that therefore means that we have to charge you uh, the the revenue we could be earning if we did the best and highest use for that land. So uh, uh, that's an advantage, uh, an example of extreme rent seeking. And that's the sort of multi-million dollar um, payout that needs to be addressed. So many insiders from the Liberal Party have made an absolute fortune in the Fisherman's Bend precinct. And we're not just talking uh, you know, tens of twenties, uh, fifty thousand dollars. We're talking forty million dollar plus windfall gains thanks to Matthew Guy's uh, uh, extortionate. Uh, well, just deliberately, it was like a planned, a, a planned failure to uh, rezone this land without. Uh, incorporating the the sort of land value capture, land taxation policies we advocate here on 3CR's Renegade Economist. So uh, from that one extreme of uh, wealth disparity to the the drastic situation so many people are facing who are uh, sleeping rough, there's uh, you know thousands of people each night throughout Australia who are sleeping rough but uh, as more and more media stories point out there are also thousands and thousands of empty properties and uh, there was an absolutely fantastic poster I posted on the earth sharing Facebook account last night and the the, the cartoon the sketch sort of said uh, uh, everybody needs a home but not everyone needs a property portfolio. Something along those lines. That summed it up beautifully, if you ask me. Uh, all our tax incentives go towards those who have property portfolios. It's a hangover of uh, feudalism, if you like. It's a hangover of the fact that up until 1951, you had to own property to be a member of the Legislative Council here in Victoria, the Upper House, are very similar to uh, the UK's House of Landlords. The whole Westminster system has this hangover of prioritising the needs of those who already own property.
And uh, the, the big question we ask is, uh, uh, is that property and the incredible profits uh, uh, derived from it uh, a product of your own? Or is it something that the community has contributed to? And by the, the very nature of our work as volunteers, cleaning up neighbouring rivers and parks, um, setting up uh, cool, funky cafes, being involved in the community garden, paying our taxes that build the, the roads and, and perhaps the new community centres, all of those things make the location more and more valuable. Well... Uh, that is uh, a community-created profit. It's called economic rent, and uh, it should be taxed away and returned back to the community. And last year, the value of Australian land increased by some $525 billion. $525 billion, and to run all three levels of government costs around about $500 billion. So uh, wouldn't that be nice if uh, all of this easy money that uh, is derived in real estate was actually um, the basis for our tax system and from that uh, there'd even be enough money to pay people a citizen's dividend. Uh, it'd be quite handy, wouldn't it? From that we'd all have a lot lower debt. But uh, this morning, my uh, Facebook feed went a little crazy as uh, an interesting development has occurred. The Homeless Persons Union of Victoria organised a bit of a sit-in in Bendigo Street, Collingwood, regarding some of the vacant properties that have been sitting idle for some two years now, some of them, following the, the now defunct East-West freeway development that was overturned by the Andrews administration. What is happening with those empty properties as winter approaches? Well, let's step over to today's uh, interview. This is a bit of a short one with uh, Kelly Whitfield. We're joined this week by Kelly Whitford from the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria and a snap action has taken place this morning to do with some of the homes purchased for the East-West Link. So Kelly, give us an update on what this protest is about. Well, it come to the attention of the Homeless Persons Union a few weeks ago that four young homeless women had been turfed out of an empty property on Bendigo Street, Collingwood. And so that highlighted that there were empty properties on this street, multiple properties, and it raised the issue of just who owns or manages these properties as part of the group of houses that were compulsorily acquired by the Mapline government and then afterwards bought back by the Andrews government. And so there's a number of properties there that have been lying vacant now for a couple of years and some homeless people were using them and they were kicked out. That's correct. How frustrating is that for uh, members of your organisation when it's just so costly to find somewhere to live? Not just fr uh, frustrating, it makes us really furious actually be um, because we are existing in the... Uh, um, an environment of a um, homelessness crisis. People can't afford to live in places. There's not enough public housing. Public housing is being neglected and demolished and sold to private developers. So where are people supposed to go? How many thousand people are waiting on public housing lists? 
over 35,000, and that grows at 100 per month. Wow, and uh, these homeless people, many of them are being kicked out because of, uh, I imagine, astronomical rental prices. Uh, uh, Is that the prime determinant, or is there something else that's that's forcing people uh, out of stable accommodation? Oh, there's many reasons why people fall into homelessness. It could be economic, you could suffer a job loss, or it could be that you've had a relationship breakdown, or it could be that you're um, a victim of domestic violence and you're having to flee your house with your children, or it could be family abuse or sexual abuse within the home, or mental health issues. There's many, many reasons why people become homeless. It almost seems from what I've seen on Facebook that it's a bit of a street party happening in Bendigo Street, Collingwood. Uh, would that be how you've described it? What's the general atmosphere uh, of the the occupation there? Well, it's, it's died down a bit now as um, a number of people have, have left. But at about 8 o'clock this morning, we started. It was a very carnival atmosphere. We started cooking up pancakes on a makeshift kitchen on the footpath outside one of the properties and we um, were able to gather some furniture from around the street. So we had couches, blow-up couches, we had balloons, um, we had uh, neighbours coming out and giving us blankets and Play-Doh and nail polish and so it was a really great carnival atmosphere. And you've been on the phone speaking to uh, various ministers. Uh, Can you uh, outline some of those calls and what you're hoping to achieve out of this protest? I wasn't actually able to speak to uh, Minister Foley or Minister Wynne personally. They were in meetings, but we've been informed that they will get back to us. At this stage, um, we're playing it by ear at this stage, but um, at this stage we, we, we call on them to come down to the site and explain to us and the Victorian public, um, provide some clarification on um, just um, if it is them that owns the properties, where the Magpie Nest does really do, still do have some involvement in them and just what the plans are um, for these houses. And just remind them that there are thousands and thousands of Victorians in desperate need. And so with over 35,000 people waiting for public housing, uh, the importance of using every single option to house people as winter approaches uh, is one of the main points of your protest there. What sort of message is the government giving us uh, by leaving these properties empty? That they don't care about the public, that they don't care about the homeless public and they would rather they would rather serve private interests rather than public interests. As I may have mentioned already, public housing is less Uh, to deteriorate. People have trouble getting maintenance issues. They're left to rot and then they uh, make the excuse that, you know, they're not fit for habitation so they will demolish them and replace them with private dwellings. And that's been much of the trend, hasn't it, with public housing is to let it fall into into waste and then privatise the land, uh, hopefully not to uh, political donors, but you wouldn't be surprised with the uh, growing influence of the real estate sector on Victorian politics. That's correct. Uh, we were recently involved in a short campaign um, out at Ashburton, it's underway now where they've demolished a, a 1950s public housing estate that was built to house the Olympic athletes, I think, in the 1950s. So they're, and, and they're replacing 
all these dwellings with 180 uh, private dwellings and 60 social housing dwellings. But social housing, um, I should let listeners know, is not the same as public housing. Social housing or community housing is actually run by private interests. With private rents, no doubt. That's correct, and the rents are not necessarily capped at 25% of one's income, whereas in public housing they are. I found out this week that to rent in Melbourne is twice as expensive as in Paris. It's just outrageous. Yeah. Who, who would have ever thought the day where rents in Melbourne were comparable to or more than New York, London or Paris. And what's so frustrating for us is that there's more than 20 or 30 empty properties uh, in Collingwood. Uh, There's something like 13% of Abbotsford is empty according to our uh, speculative vacancies study we release each year. So uh, what's, what's your time frame down at this gathering? Are you going to be there for a number of days? Uh, is, is there some sort of uh, uh, medium-term objective? Well, we're waiting to see today if a government representative will come down. That would be fantastic. We plan to stay here until they do. And in the meantime, we'll think about what demands we would like to uh, make of the government. But over the medium to long term, we'd like to see this campaign continue and we would like to continue protesting and occupying at all the um, empty properties that we can get to across Melbourne to really bring this home to, you know, to put a spotlight on it to the Victorian public that, as you have already mentioned, there are thousands of empty dwellings out there and a homelessness crisis and a public housing waiting list crisis. So what's going on? We'd love people to come down here and support the action on Bendigo Street. That would be fantastic. So that's at the Victoria Parade end, the the southern end of Bendigo Street, Collingwood. Please get down and say hello to Kelly and the team there over the next uh, few days. Thank you very much. And there we have Kelly Whitford from the Homeless Persons Union of Victoria. Check out their Facebook account. They've also got Twitter. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're another group raising pressure on the government to start recognising that uh, housing is for for living, not for hocking. And uh, there's just such a, a, a frenzy around buying and selling real estate uh, wherever it comes, uh, wherever you are on this planet, uh, that is uh, the priority of government and it really has to change, particularly when uh, uh, these homes have been empty for so long now and there's so many people on the public waiting list. Uh, We often get people who live in public housing who come into our office and say, look, we know you do this vacant study. Can you do one on public housing? Because we know there's lots, there's vacant apartments um, that have been empty within the public housing sector itself uh, for months on end. And uh, I'd love there to be some sort of app out there uh, where people could just click on it and and update photos showing uh, where these empty properties are. Some of these public housing agencies have some very comfy deals for their CEOs. I'm not saying all of them, but I have heard some horror stories out there. I almost got one of these um, uh, exposés on the show, but my uh, deep throat went cold 
hold on me, but uh, uh, it sounds like uh, you know the, the vacant property is an issue in the public housing sector as well as uh, the private investment world. We know many councils uh, are involved in land banking. Uh, we know that the state trust is often very lazy in how it uh, processes some of the wills they're dealt with. Uh, a family friend of mine uh, had to wait uh, nearly three years for her will to be processed and the house had to uh, lie vacant for nearly two years in that in that time frame. So uh, there's a lot of uh, scope for a, a more improved understanding of how our land is used and that's why for eight years we've been lobbying government to uh, build some kind of land um, utilization rate or an unemployment rate for land, land vacancy, vacancy rate, any of those sort of aspects that uh, is not controlled by the real estate industry. Because as many listeners here on The Renegade Economist will know, the vacancy rate we hear about in the mainstream press only looks at property that's up for rent. And when rents are one third of the capital gains that have been handed to property owners for the last three or four years, yes, rents at 18 grand, capital gains of some 50 to 60 thousand dollars in many suburbs. Uh, the incentive to rent out property has plummeted. Our vacancy figures reflect that. And when you consider it costs the state some $30,000 per homeless person in terms of uh, services provided to them, uh, that's according to uh, homelessness. We can't afford to ignore it by Homeless Australia in 2014. Uh, Those sort of numbers are really important. And when you look at Collingwood over these last two years, according to realestate.com.au, House prices for Collingwood have increased from 588000 to 638000 over that time. So it's $50,000 over two years. And when you consider that uh, two, maybe three people would live in that home, that's uh, $90,000 worth of homeless uh, services that could be saved. Um, versus us giving uh, $50,000 to property owners. So uh, it's a radical view we promote here on The Renegade Economist, but sometime soon we're going to have to push forward on this because, my oh my, this commodification of the earth is storming ahead. Uh, You heard me talk about uh, the big report from Savills a couple of shows ago called Around the World in Dollars and Cents where foreign investment is up 334% in the last six years. God damn it. Still, there are no protests on the street. Uh, General property investment, I dare say, would be up similar amounts, uh, perhaps not 334%, but certainly uh, now uh, investors are touching 50% of all housing loans. Many of them um, are not recorded. Uh, Those who use property options don't actually need to borrow they have the sanctity of uh, of of laws that uh, I can't even get a response out of Scott Ludlam's office on this. It just drives me crazy. Property options. You've heard me talk about it before. Imagine using Google Earth, finding a property that's above 800 
metres square, looking at the council overlay for zoning in the area, seeing that it's got multi-density on it. Wow, let's go and knock on the door and um, and see that elderly couple who uh, are quietly living their lives there and uh, offer them uh, $100,000 above the market price if they will um, sign this uh, property option contract and hand over the, the property to me in 12 months' time. Over the next 12 months, that property investor will uh, line up his builders, he'll get his zoning ticked off, do all those sort of things and then uh, uh, sell off the plan so he doesn't actually have to use his own money. He can channel that extra $100,000 towards the mum and dad uh, owners at the moment and uh, then sell who knows, eight to ten apartments on that block uh, and making a, a tidy little markup on each one. So whilst I like to see some development, I like to see urban density, there has to be a balance between those who are doing the work and those who are making the easy money. And uh, if uh, uh, that that holder of the property option makes more than the builder, then um, that's just not on. That should not be happening. Now, in terms of these big global studies, uh, they just keep coming at the moment in the real estate pages of the Financial Review on Thursday, the 17th of March. Uh, the world's top 100 real estate corporations grew their asset bases by a healthy 11% or $400 billion last year to hold a staggering $3.6 trillion of property. And of course, my favorite company, uh, Blackstone Capital, their holdings jumped by 18%. Brookfield out of Canada, their holdings jumped by 16%. So uh, it, it keeps uh, uh, developing, it keeps growing this commodification of the earth. And uh, CBRE, Global Investor Intention Survey of 2016, reveals that there's approximately $1.16 trillion of new capital targeting property investment this year, an increase of just 3% from 2015 levels. Oh my God, how devastating. There's only an extra $1.16 trillion that's going to flood the global real estate market, crowding out families, crowding out singles, trying to find a little corner of this earth to call home and to uh, get to know their community. But so many people are uh, drowning under the, uh, the the pressures that these high weekly rents cost, leading to all sorts of dinner table arguments. Who knows how many uh, relationships sour due to these financial pressures. I really feel for you out there. Who, If you're one of those people in this boat, I'm sorry if this show drives you crazy. I hope you've got... Uh, your running shoes on and um, take off for a run after you hear this show. So uh, the sad thing is that um, th this commodification is becoming easier and easier. I've talked about uh, how the, the global financial crisis, many blame it on the residential-backed mortgage securities, ignoring the fact that uh, US land prices started falling over two and a half years before Lehman Brothers uh, blew the world economy apart and that September 17, 2008 date uh, is seen as the uh, the bellwether of the global economy. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't what blew everything up. It was the fact that land values started falling because they were beyond people's ability to pay. 
banks had been greedy, lent people too much money, they'd pushed the prices up too high. All of a sudden, there was no more greater fools. People were realizing they, their wages weren't justifying these prices. So land prices started to fall. The small and medium-sized uh, you know, finance companies ha- had to reduce their lending. That hurt small business. That hurt employment. Uh, some people defaulted on their mortgages. And that sort of domino effect went on for the next two and a half years. Unfortunately, the big short film, as good as it was, uh, didn't really cover that side of the story. But now, as uh, we've reminded you time and time again, it wasn't these residential-backed mortgage securities. It wasn't really the subprime mortgage crisis that caused it. It was the failure of government to tax away these easy economic rents, this naturally rising value of location. So uh, now, fast forward to 2016, uh, the the growth in uh, not residential-backed mortgage securities, but rental-backed mortgage securities. Yes, the corporatization of the rental market is storming ahead. They're calling it uh, single-family rentals, SFRs. If you do a Google on those, well, uh, the sad thing is that uh, in early March, a Roofstock launched the first dedicated online marketplace for investing in leased single-family rental homes. So this is a, a dedicated marketplace for the $2 trillion single-family rental sector created by investors for investors. And, uh, of course, there's a whole pile of analytical tools and diligence information to help investors evaluate and compare properties before buying them. And uh, buyers get access to vetted homes with current cash flow and professional property management in place. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all centralizing this uh, this corporatization of the rental market. There's professional property management services, uh, professional real estate agents, and now they're bragging about this new clearinghouse for single-family rentals. So there's no wasted time in bidding or back and forth negotiations. Uh, The prices are set. And uh, one of the things that's apparently attractive for investors with this new system is that uh, they can sell their homes in this marketplace without having to vacate properties, without having to force on uh, renters, uh, thereby avoiding lost rent renovation costs and high selling commissions. So added Matt Harris, the managing director at Bain Capital Ventures, single family Family rentals have become an institutional asset class, but as yet lack the type of market infrastructure that investors have come to expect. Roofstock solves that problem and in doing so creates opportunity to expand into other segments of the multi-trillion dollar real estate industry. Oh my. So, uh, yeah. They're also bragging about how single-family homes raised their average rents by 3.5% in 2015 across the 504 counties that data firm RealityTrack looked at nationwide. That rent increase is significantly higher than the inflation rate over the same period. So we're watching this trend spread through Ireland, Spain, Greece, Japan, distressed cities in America, we're hoping and praying it doesn't come to Australia, but uh, beware of Blackstone Capital, beware of single-family rentals. Uh, It's circling.